Today's episode is brought to you by Dr. Dish, trusted and innovation solution basketball training machines. Check out their revolutionary skill building program at drdishbasketball.com. Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano. Today's guest, Coach Bob and his son, Nolan, are on the show. We talk hoops, life. Let's dive right in with Coach Bob and Nolan. Welcome to Fadeaways and Fundamentals. I am your host, Andre Pirano, here with Coach Bob. Coach, what is up? How you doing, Coach? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on our show. Thank you for bringing your son on the show. What's up? How you doing, Coach? Good to talk to you. Man, I'm blessed. I'll tell you what, COVID-19 ain't putting me down. I am so blessed. God is good. That's the attitude we have to have. I mean, that's that's the only way to do it. In fact, we're um, we're driving out right now towards the mountains. So we're in Canada, and we're driving um, Calgary, Canada, and we're driving towards Banff. One of the players that uh, we train has got like a home court uh, outside. So we're gonna do. Uh, we figured we'd spend the day outside. It's a beautiful day in Canada, and we're gonna spend the day uh, training them outside and keeping our distance of course and uh but enjoying the mountains in fact we're we're looking out uh we pulled over we're looking out our 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 window right now of our car and it's nothing but miles and miles of rocky mountains so uh blessed is the word to use for sure absolutely um now that you touched on uh coaching outside today i did have a question um it's a two-part question for not only yourself but your son but I'm going to ask you this first. Why is it the blacktop of playgrounds is more like a dinosaur nowadays? Um, I know being a 41-year-old man, I grew up playing on the blacktop. Um, yes, there was basketball gyms opened, but we didn't go there. Uh, we did more blacktop stuff. Uh, how do you feel about that, Coach? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I mean, you nailed it. And we talk about it all the time is – you know, we get asked, you know, if what can players nowadays do a better job of? And actually, especially out here in Canada, and that's just playing like and this is coming from a skills trainer. And I've been doing this for 27 years and I'm the first one to recommend to players or to let players know that they need to get out and play and experience the game firsthand and um uh, and really there's, to me, I don't, I wouldn't say it's the only way to, to really learn the game at, at uh, the level that you want to be at, but there's a reason why majority of the pros grew up playing on the blacktop coach. And it's, it's kind of that grit and it's um, that ability to survive out there where when you come into a gym Typically, like nowadays, to get access to a court indoors, you're paying, so you're getting driven there from mom and dad. 
you know, you pay your money to, uh, to hoop a little bit and uh, it's just not the same. It's not going to develop the character that the blacktop does. And so um, I think that there is kind of a softness that's happened and still in the inner city um, of, you know, Chicago, New York, LA, those areas, when you drive by those blacktops, they're still filled and they're filled with our future hoopers. And um I just feel like there's got to be a balance and we're always preaching that is, you know, you got to train those reps in the gym with a trainer, with a coach, you know, with a teammate, whatever it might be. But when you can, you got to go out there and experience kind of the roots of the game. Right. But can't you, can, don't you think that's kind of a, the parent's fault in giving the kid a sense of entitlement? Because for instance, I have my own uh, club basketball program. I'm yep. very blessed to have seven teams. We're growing. Um, and one day a week, we practice outside in a urban community. It is not the best environment or the best uh, so-called city. Um, mm-hmm. It's rough around its edges. Um, I grew up there. But uh, I feel that you need that black top feel, that grittiness. You don't always need to be in a gym. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think it comes down to a lot of times, like, I guess it's easy to say that it's the parents' fault. But at the same time, I think a lot of these parents haven't grown up with the game either. Like they, you know, they went, they had kids, their kids fell in love with the, you know, the best sport in the world. But, and they feel like that they're trying to pour fuel on that fire, but they don't know exactly where to direct them. And they might not know that that is should be part of that child's journey. And I just feel like it's different when you're dealing with a parent that maybe grew up around basketball and understands it. But when you haven't, then, and remember coach, you're in, you're in South Orange County. So it's a little, it's a little different there. Um, and where it is a little bit more um, sheltered and whatnot. And, and believe you me, like, I mean, I, I lived there six years straight I've been going back and forth for 18 years um, to Southern California in training. I got hundreds of players out there. And, you know, a lot of times they don't understand, you know, where where the roots of the game are. And they don't spend a lot of time in, you know, the, the middle of a city. And so it's not always their fault. And then it's kind of our job to educate them. Right. Well, I, I, I'm actually based out of uh, Southeast San Diego. Oh, okay. Got you. Got you. Yeah, we just we drive up um every other Friday to see uh Jordan Lolly. That's what we do. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, good. very blessed to have him in our corner. Mm-hmm. Um, since you, I mean, it's got to be a blessing. I, I mean, I can only imagine. I, and this is a question I would love for you to answer, and then also your son. Um, it is absolutely got to be a blessing to train with your son and and run a business with him. Um, I know being with my son, he's 13 and, and being able to go to Jordan's and going to our good, good friend in San Diego, Ryan Rizuki and the, the people we meet all over from all over the world, all over the country to train with and NBA players. We are truly blessed. How much of a blessing is it to train alongside of with your son? Yeah. I mean, it, it's incredibly special and um, you know, it's something that I had a vision for, um, early on and and we talked about it i mean really even at the age of of when your you know your son at 13 you know when nolan was 13 we'd have these conversations about 
you know, training together and being on the court. And in fact, when he was 13, he was already, uh, we were living in Southern California at the time. And uh, we had moved from Canada right around the age of 13. And right around the age of 13, 14, he already started training younger players, like seven, eight-year-olds. So we'd be sharing the court and he'd be over if I'd be training a, a big brother, a big sister, and he'd be training the sibling. And you know, the parents would see him ball handling and, and, and the way he moved. And they'd, they'd say, hey, listen, we'll give you, give you 40, 50 bucks if you spend the next hour, you know, training our son. So he got a taste for it right away and, you know, understood at an early age, you know, what it's like to kind of forget about what's in it for you and, and start thinking about what it, what's in it for somebody else and, and giving back to the game that way. Um, we started doing camps when he was 15, 16 years old uh, together. And um, in the off seasons, while he was going to university and playing university ball um, and college ball, both in the States and in Canada, uh, those three and a half months, we, he'd be working full time. Like he'd, he's got hundreds of players that he trains and uh, we do camps. We've traveled around the world together uh, as well and done camps and, uh, yeah, it's incredible. And one of the, it was one of the drivers for me early on to like 12 years ago, I started doing this full time. So I've been at this for majority of my adult life, but 12 years ago, decided to go full time. And a big part of it was to spend more, more time with my son. And uh, because what I found was I was working all day, coming home, having a quick dinner, and then going back to the gym for four or five hours. And I wasn't seeing my family. And so I just basketball and basketball training became a full-time career. And then this way, my son was always on the court or in the gym with me. So it was beautiful. Wow. Nolan, how, 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 how special is it being with your pops in training? It's definitely, it's definitely a blessing. Like you said, um, it makes the relationship more than just like a normal father-son relationship. Um, it gives us that chance to also be best friends and spend that time together and, you know, create opportunities for each other to see the world and different things like that. Um, like, it's super awesome because we have great communication as far as like the business side and everything. We're able to bounce ideas off each other. And, you know, we know we know each other, like, obviously super well. So, um it's easy, like the business side to transition from that father son to the working side. It's always been super easy just because, you know, we understand each other and we always kind of think the same with a lot of stuff. So it's been great. You know, like I've learned obviously pretty much everything I know on the basketball side from him, but it's also cool now that it's kind of shifting over and I get to learn on the business side as well. And that's something that I really appreciate and looking forward to is kind of building this together and, you know, learning that side of uh, life from him. Wow. Yeah. It, it's really funny, man, that you both of you guys and what you touched on, because my son's 13 and I have my own program and I have kids. I have a, two small teams between the ages. I have a, a group that's seven and eight and then I have another group that's eight and nine. Mm. And my son literally does all their dribbling skill work with them. Right. Right. And, and right. I and it's so crazy that you say that because him and I have these conversations like there's going to be a point, bro, where after college or after school or even through high school, you, you can make this a profession if you'd like, you know, just like Jordan, just like our friend, good friend, Ryan, that trains you um, at the hoop house. He has his own facility. You, this could be you. You could take this on and make it even bigger or we could do it together. And, 
Oh man, it's it's it, it gives me goosebumps to hear you guys talk like that because literally I'm in the same boat as you guys, but just 12 years behind you. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so rad, dude. I love it. Now, you know, I have not been all over the world with my son, obviously, uh, yet. I'd love to do that. And same thing as me. I work a full-time job um, with the city of Del Mar, and it's a beautiful job. I love it. Very blessed. And then uh, same thing, three nights a week. I'm literally, I don't even go home. I literally sit in traffic for an hour and a half and rush to a gym, and I'm there for three hours. Um, and with my son, my, my, I'm so blessed at my wife cause she drops off my son and we're there training and doing our thing, um, with our teams. What's the coolest place you guys ever trained at? Um, I mean, maybe you guys each have a different one. What, what is it? Well, I think we probably have the same one. Um, because I mean, we talk about it all the time and, um, we got some more trips coming up here in this, in 2020 and 2021, but um, to me, the, the best trip was uh, Seoul, Korea. Uh, so we, we train. Um, in fact, we're, uh, I mean, we're very good friends and close with Jordan Lolly um, that you bring up. In fact, uh, during his uh, rehab, Nolan went out and, and spent two weeks on the court and took over his, uh, his group sessions and some of his privates with him and, and stuff. So I, I've known him for, for years. So. Uh, and we, he used to train uh, SK Knights pro team, and um, Nolan and I went out and trained uh, a pro, the top pro team or one of the top pro teams in Seoul, Korea or South Korea, uh, SK Knights. So we trained them for a week, uh, two a days, and then we did a Nike camp for 70 of the the top middle school players in uh, in South Korea uh, the week after. So that two weeks. That was just um, a little less than a year ago. That was incredibly special. Um, everything from just kind of seeing that that country. Um, you know, we we got some downtime, so we got to really see a lot of like what it has to offer, and um, and not not always what the um, what the tourists would see either, because you know, like our friends um, through the program there you know, would take us to uh, some pretty neat places. And just, uh, I guess that that whole country, like, you know, the fact that the uh, the population is what it is and, and the people were so friendly. I mean, that was just an incredible experience to uh, to have with my son and both on and off the court for that two weeks. So that, that was for sure one of the best moments for uh, traveling in, in my lifetime with my son. Cool. What about you, Nolan? Um. For sure, that one would be up there. I think another really cool thing that we've done that, you know, I really loved doing last summer is we had a group come in from Japan uh, to train with us in California. And I just think their basketball culture and how serious and the energy that was at those sessions was definitely like an amazing experience. Uh, they just worked so, so hard and had so much energy. And you could just tell how much they loved learning and just talking to some of the players afterwards and keeping up with them on social media. They'll send DMs all the time, asking how we are, asking questions and stuff. And uh, I think that was a super cool experience. I mean, they're flying all the way from Japan and they're just to see how engaged they are. And I think that was a really rewarding sessions that we used to do and uh, definitely look forward to doing more with them. Yeah. There's like 50 at a time that come out and uh, train. We're part of this uh, Adidas uh, elite eight 
uh, with uh, Jordan's on there and, right. and Jason Wright and a number of other guys. And so they'll come out and tour uh, and train with eight different uh, skills trainers and for a few weeks at a time. And that's yeah, like Nolan said, that's an incredible experience because just their dedication, th- those guys will do three days. So, I mean, they'll literally get on the court for two, three hours with ourselves and take an hour break, then go spend two hours with Jordan, take another hour break, go do uh, weight training for an hour. Like, and that's for like two weeks straight. Um, but just incredible people. And they come with like handmade gifts from their families. And, and like Nolan said, they, the most important thing is it's after we train them, it's family, right? Like they stay in touch. So, you know, we see how they're doing. And in fact, they're, they've extended an offer for us to come out there this year and uh, train them in Japan. So we're pretty excited about that. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to uh, assist uh, Jordan and alongside with Spencer and Tony and Max um, with uh, teams from uh, China. And my wife, um, she's a chef, so she was doing all their meal prep cooking. Um, for them and that was a blessing that was a was a lot of fun but it was a lot of work because i was traveling up to irvine every other day just to bring food so since i would bring food i was like well i'm gonna stay um but yeah that was it's a that was a huge huge blessing and it was a it was a wonderful experience wonderful um training you know you guys are in canada right now what's the difference between the states and and Canadian players and how much of an impact um, has basketball become after Toronto won the uh, world championship? Well, those are good questions. Um, I mean, people were in, in the U S I think would be very surprised if they came out here and jumped on the court. I mean, it, it's, it's the same, right? We're in North America. So it's the, the games evolved out here the same as it is in the U S probably though, I mean, there's a couple differences. One is just the sheer numbers, right? The population. So the pool of players aren't as big here in Canada. So you might not get like, you know, the, the elite level across the board as you would in the U.S. However, they're, I mean, they're just as hungry. Um, you know, you look at the NBA draft the last for the last five, 10 years, how many Canadians have been uh, um, going into the NBA. So um, it's the fastest growing sport uh, year after year over the last kind of seven, eight years um, in Canada, which is great. Just in the city that we live in, um, we're about 1.4 million people in our city, so a decent size. Uh, there's close to 40,000 basketball players, so people that play the game. Um, it's a huge AU scene in the city that we live in, and then right across the country. Um, to answer your second question, um, the whole country went upside down. It was it was nuts, Coach. Like literally nuts. Like the the whole country shut down and just even like hockey fans and people that don't follow basketball got behind the Raptors and um, it, it was really neat to see. I think you know you're gonna see and we're, and we're gonna see like a influx of of players that once of normally come onto the scene for basketball maybe they would have picked another sport uh in the next kind of five years you know these five six seven year olds that were that that witnessed it um kind of fell in love with it it was hard not to so 
um, it was a blessing for our country, for the city of Toronto, uh, and just for Basketball Canada, period. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else to add, Nolan, on that. No, I think, like, like you touched on, um, the biggest difference is, like, a lot of its population. Um, I would say Canadian players don't get a chance as much to play as much as American players. Like, growing up in California, uh, high school, you obviously you go to summer league, spring league, fall league, and your normal regular season on top of AAU. So it's, it was nothing to play 30, 40 games in a month. You know, out here, it kind of splits right from high school season, then there's a, a bit of a gap, and then there's AAU and stuff. So just the sheer amount of games is less, and so you just sometimes don't get that same confidence that some of the players in America do just from being able to play so many games. But I think the sport here is definitely evolving. Like, I think a lot of top players out here are getting a lot more notice than they did before, and uh, the Raptors winning was just another, like, great addition to how the game's evolving out here. And, I yeah. mean, if you if you look, like, Nolan spent his high school years at J. Sarah, right? So in the Trinity League. So, I mean, every night you're playing against top prospects. Like, there's no night top. Like, and even when it's not regular season, so when you're not playing modern-day Bosco, Lou, SM, um, the tournaments every weekend or during the week in, in the spring league or whatever it might be, you know, you're playing top, top programs with top players and uh so just your confidence is going to be high because it's nothing every time you step on the court to play like a future you know d1 player or or players and we're here you're not seeing that as much so uh, a lot of times these teams here in canada they will travel to you know vegas or spokane or utah or wherever it might be to get get those looks and, and, and play against that type of competition. Right. Now, do you feel that with all of this, these games with high school AAU, do you think it's overkill? Cause you know, I, I like, for instance, my, my brother. And so my nephew was a high level soccer player. I mean, I'm talking top two, three teams in the nation. He's going to Europe. He's flying to Dallas. He's going to Orlando and high school came around and the kid literally put up his cleats like he just burnt out right and so i took that and ran with it so i try not to have my son right now overkilled you know with all the game like you said every weekend there's games or tournaments we play high level tournaments but i try not to play them every weekend cuz i don't want that to happen to my son i feel the training part, getting in there on the blacktop, the backyard, in with Jordan, in with Ryan, home in with me, um, playing one-on-one and three-on-three is just as important and will get you better. And technically, it's a little more fun. It's not so stressful. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. Um, I mean, you said a mouthful there. It, like, it, it, you really nailed it. I mean, it, it's a tough one because what do you – what do you not play on the weekends and, you know, not play the politics of, you know, attending tournaments and whatnot. So like these, these kids and these parents are kind of caught in a tough situation. And again, it comes back to like being able to create some type of balance, but a lot of it is, it's almost like it's become out of control and out of the control of the parents and whatnot. They, they pay their money at the beginning of, uh, you know, whichever season is coming up for AU and to play a certain amount of tournaments. And 
And a lot of times the parents just want to see their kid play every weekend. And, you know, they're the ones pushing for it because the kids don't know any better, right? Like, they, like it, you know, everyone's like pretty much a 99% of the population are followers and they need to be led and told what to do. And so they just feel like, oh, we're supposed to play games. But like you said, what they don't understand is if every weekend is filled with games and during the week you have two practices and you only have time to actually train and get proper quality reps in once a week or twice a week, um, you know, are you developing? And that that's a challenge because you look at a game like a full game, you might get the average player gets seven shots off. Right. right. They touch, you know, so and they, you know, they might get a chance every three third game to, to get a Euro step in to work on that. Or all of a sudden you got an opening, you finally get to punch into a pro hop and practice something, um, you know, like. So there's got to be that type of balance. And I think there's just got to be better communication between the high schools, the AU programs, um, the skills trainers, where they could all just work together. Like if this is all about the kids, like truly all about the kids and developing, then there's got to be some type of happy medium here. And I haven't even touched on the fact that we're beating the shit out of their bodies. Right. Right. And like, no one. So, yeah, go ahead. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it, it's funny because all the years that I've been training in the States. Um, and then so probably half my years have been in the States training half my years here in Canada. There's way less uh, patella tendonitis issues here, like jumpers knees. Uh, those types of injuries for kids ages 13 to 15 compared to in California when I was there full time, you know, on average, I'd trained about, I had like, let's say 150 to 180 players on the go um, at all times. And those are, you know, players that are coming through three days a week. Some of the players I'm training four days a week. Um, I would say minimum, I'm not, I'm not, rounding up here minimum 70 percent of them had some type of jumpers knees um at some point between the ages of 13 and 15 16 years old where they're walking around like they're 80 years old and in fact a lot of the players that i would train you know i was constantly telling them to back off because they're losing their um athleticism they're losing their vertical all of that stuff and, you know, you got these co these high school coaches because there's rules in place. They're only allowed to train there or, sorry, have practices for a certain amount of time. So what do they do to get around it? They have like a sixth or seventh period in high school. So at 1.30, your school's done, but you have a class called basketball. So you do that. That dovetails into a two-and-a-half-hour practice on top of that. So you're doing a three-and-a-half-hour practice. You come home, eat. And then you go to AU practice or you go train with your trainer. And so now it's just counterproductive um, as, as far as I'm concerned. So we need everyone to work together and uh, if, just for the best interests of, of the players, for their minds, like mentally, for the development of their game. And then more importantly, for the longevity of their body. Yes. Oh, my gosh. You threw crazy dimes there. Um, I'm the same way. I. I play, we play less games in our AAU program. Um, 
I'd rather home in on skill training. I'm a huge fitness fanatic. So me and my son, we, we are always doing something with fitness, ladder drills, sprints, running hills, uh, weight training, uh, plyometrics, calisthenics. I'm all in for that. But the one thing my wife is very good. She is a great cook. So my son eats super clean. Um, we ice the crap out of him and I know he hates stretching, but Oh man, my wife will nag at him until he just does it to stretch. Right. Right. And it's this, it's, we do it because we care because we want him, we want his body to be healthy and okay. And sometimes he's asking me, man, I haven't played a game in three weeks. I don't give a damn. You don't need to play a game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a simple formula, but it's it's being able to convey it to the public and get them to buy in. And the formula is like for every minute you spend on the court, um, you got to spend this, the equal minute on your body and either preventative injury or weight training to, to build your body up or plyo or what or stretching or whatever it might be. Um, I mean, that's just got to be part of the package. And I mean, if you if you're if you're not, if you're not equal with them, something's going to give eventually. So if you're, you're weight training too much and you're not doing enough skills training, obviously we, we know what happens there and then vice versa. If you're not spending the appropriate amount of time on your body, um, health, nutrition, preventative injuries, stretching, weight training, then, um, then it's just not going to work. Any way you look at it, I mean, it's, 1% of these players come out of the womb like hyper athletic and like head above the rim and, and um, you know, can just step on the court and just go. The rest of these players, they got to build that athleticism within and it takes time. And, you know, sometimes it means you give up some court time to be able to go spend that time on your body. So, I mean, again, I'm a skills trainer, but just like you, uh, a massive advocate for um, performance training. Yes, I love it. You got to treat your body like a Ferrari. You know, you yes. got to put in great fuel and you got to give it rest because if not, it's going to break down. Absolutely. Yeah. What is um, what is the funniest moment ever that's happened on the court with you and your son on it? Hmm. Wow. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> the, okay. That, yeah. These are good questions. Uh, the funniest moment. Um, oh, I have one to start. Okay. Go. Yeah. 100%. Um, <laughs> so, when I was first playing AAU in Calgary growing up, um, I would say probably my third or fourth year into it, my dad took over the team just for one season to coach. Um, and we, we were good. Like, we were one of the best teams in Western Canada, for sure. I think we only lost once ever in Canada. Um, and it was to a team three years older than us. But there was one game in particular that um, we were playing. And during warm-ups, the other team kept crossing over to our side. And the coach was kind of being a little bit disrespectful. And just a bit of a weird energy of a game. Um, some people in the stands were mouthing off a little bit to us. And so... My dad brings us in right before the game starts, and he's like, listen, I want to win by 100. <laughs> and we all looked at each other, and we are kind of laughing and stuff, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's like, no, like, we're dead serious. Like, let's win by 100. The score of the game, and we stopped pressing probably after the first quarter, was 129 to 4. <laughs> and 
they yeah. were they were older than us by an average year and a half. We were U13 team or U14 and they were U15. 15, yeah. Yeah. We won 129 to 4. We had that game on video and everyone that's on that team still talks about that game like every time we see each other. It's the funniest thing ever. And we won three games that year by 100, but that one was definitely the funniest one. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh yeah, actually now you got me going. So um, and I'll, I'll kind of add to that one. So when I took that team over, uh, kind of mid season, um, I mean, it, it was, I was reluctant, like it wasn't something I wanted to do, but it was just something that was kind of pushed by the parents at the time. And so I remember we had a practice, it was on a Monday that I was, uh, asked to do it. So I called a practice on the Tuesday, the first game that I'd be coaching them was on the Wednesday. So, um, all we kind of worked on in practice was like um, kind of a full court man jump defense, like just get him a turn, next closest guy, jump over. Um, they get the ball, next guy, go fill that spot, leave the farthest guy. I mean, the obvious stuff, right? Um, and then we kind of created a chant, like, what's our offense, defense? What's our offense, defense? And so our first game of me coaching on that Wednesday um, – what was the score in that game? We won by like 80 or something. Yeah, we won like by 80 points or something. But we didn't we didn't we didn't full court press them. We just man to man. And we just picked them up like as soon as the ball got inbounded. But anyways, um by the time I got home, the phone was ringing off the hook and um it was the the club owner was he's like, "Hey, what did you do tonight?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Well, my phone's ringing and like these guys are going nuts." saying, like, you pressed the whole game, you did this, like, man, like, these guys are only you 13, you don't have to be doing that, I'm like, well, we didn't press once, like, we, we, all we did was just play tough defense the whole time, and uh, so, in what I thought I was doing good, um, I got in crap for, but I didn't really care, so we just kind of went through that season, and uh, conducted business accordingly and and the neat thing was coach was we got from that season more players come over to our program um than we ever have because it was kind of like if we can't beat them join them type of uh attitude yeah and yeah they're like man we love what they're doing over there or they hated us so it was one or the other and um there's a good reason why you know i don't coach anymore because like i'm I'm just not a big fan of the politics and stuff. like. I just like developing players. And uh, again, like when I coach, I get in the business of hurting a lot of feelings and uh, which doesn't go over well. So there you go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it, it. This past season that just ended, uh, my 13-year-old team, we play up in a 14-year division and we beat a team 95 to 13. Ouch. And and they got 13 points because I was telling my boys to let them score. And we were just doing the same thing man to man. And it and it was funny because I didn't realize we were up by so much. But then once I realized there was a huge crowd around us, the crowd was watching my son's team play because it was like they were on fire. My my son hit eight threes in the first quarter in the first hey, half. Hey, hey. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I was like the, the first quarter or the first half ended and he looked at me and he's smiling and I knew he hit several threes. I wasn't counting them. And he, he just comes and gives me a high five. He goes, you know, I got eight threes, right? I was like, <laughs> what? He goes, I got eight. I was like, damn, homie. Yeah, like, that's serious. Yeah, that's, that's serious. great. What What is the most important? 
important skill set a player needs to have right now at the age of 13 to 15? Uh, well, I mean, I don't want like be opinionated. Like, I'll just tell you what, like our philosophy is, and it's been our philosophy from day one. Um, when I get a player, it's ball handling first and then it's footwork. All right. Then it's shooting. And then I lay IQ over top of everything. You can be the best shooter in the world. If you can't get your shot off, you're not worth anything to your team. And there's a reason why there's only, you know, one Clay Thompson, uh, you know, on the court. Uh, the rest of the guys got to figure out and girls got to figure out how to score the ball. You can't score the ball if you can't handle the ball. And especially nowadays, it's not like you're posting up and just waiting because everything's positionless. Like fours are now playing like off the wing and even fives are at the same time. Yep. Uh, you can't teach footwork to a player if they can't handle the ball because it's just going to be a frustrating experience. They're going to be losing the ball the whole time you're teaching them any type of footwork. As they get older, the footwork gets more advanced, which means the ball's got to be on a string the whole time. Everything I do from the minute you come into the gym and you put the ball down on the court has a Y connected to it or attached to it. And so why are we doing this? So once they get to around, um, well, it's really the skill level uh, because I got, you know, 11, 12 year olds that I teach this way, but everything I pretty much do once their, um, their foundation is built is um, progression uh, training. So, Everything's kind of based on scenarios or game situations so that they're they're building their IQ at the same time. So if you, you know, you follow me and you kind of notice, man, this guy doesn't have a lot of cones on the ground. Like everything is we're we're constantly talking about the defense does this. Now you do this. Now the defense does this. They slide over. You do this. And so we kind of progression everything so that we're not teaching the players to just have a single go-to move. It's more of a read and react to be able to score anytime, anywhere, at any point. Um, and so that IQ component is probably the, the funnest part of training because that's what kind of keeps me awake at night and wakes me up in the morning is, is being able to develop young players' IQ with their, um, their, um, their foundation. And when you get into this, like, oh, hey, what, you know, heads down, we're just going to be banging out like cone work, cone work, that type of stuff. The challenge is, you know, and these parents sit back, it's like, when am I going to see all of this work um, translate on the court in games? And you're not. It's not until the player understands why they're doing everything is when they're going to translate it on the court. And so, you know, the more you can train a player and have that why attached to it, um, the easier the game's going to come to them, all right? And it still comes back to, like I said earlier, they're not all, all going to be athletic freaks. So the more they can use their mind and slow the game down while they're playing, the easier the game's going to be and the more opportunities they're going to have to play at the next level. Oh, man, I like that. I, I love that. That's what I try to teach. Uh, Cody Topper uh, told me and my son, it's all about bones over cones. Read and, yep, react yep. The, read and react that defender, bones over cones. So I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one skill stuff with my son that way. So I tell him, them cones yep. ain't going to move, so I got to move so you can find figure out what the counter is. That's it, man. Yeah, I love that. Um, let's, let's talk uh, real quick on this documentary uh, everybody was watching last night. Phenomenal documentary, uh, The Last Dance. Uh, what, your thoughts on the first two episodes? 
I'll, I'll let Nolan uh, jump in here because while we were driving to the mountains here, um, <laughs> he uh, he started going off about uh, what people are saying on Twitter, like, you know, the comparison still with LeBron and Jordan. So uh, I'll let him have it, what his take is on this whole thing. Okay. Well, I mean, first, first I think it's just great that, you know, people who didn't grow up at the time, you know, they might have read a few books or watched something before, but to get the opportunity to get that deep dive into, you know, the history and everything. Cause it's, I mean, for myself, like I've watched hundreds of Jordan games because I just go out and find them and just watch them. Uh, just cause I like, you know, I just want to watch and learn and stuff. But for the average person that didn't grow up at that time, they might've only seen some highlights and, you know, they don't get that full story. So I think it was just awesome that, you know, there's an opportunity for people who maybe didn't know and didn't see some of these things to, finally have their eyes open to it um yeah i mean obviously a lot of people are still sitting here with the goat debate and um a lot of lebron fans were going off last night that you know this isn't proving anything and ah. that, yeah but it's it's you know there's a lot of undebatable things and uh, one of the undebatable things is you know if you look at those those years jordan brought his team to the finals and won he showed up every single series every single game every single year and no matter what, he did his part. He he only averaged less than 30 once in the finals. Every other year was more than 33, 32. Some years close to 40 or 40 a game in the finals. Uh, every playoff series, even if he lost, like last night they're showing that uh, Boston series uh, in the documentary, you know, some people talk about, you know, he got swept in the first round. He put up 49, 63, and 40 in those three games. Yep. And just just to see that no matter what, uh, the teammates around him were, no matter what the defense was, could be the defensive player of the year. didn't matter who was in front of him. That absolutely did not change how he played. And just to see how relentless he was, if you watch his old games, he spent 40 minutes attacking the person that's guarding him. Like 40 straight minutes. Every time he touched the ball, just going at, like relentlessly attacking the defense. And, you know, just seeing even at an early age, his rookie year averaging 28 and a half a game, uh, averaging 37 in his third year in the NBA, like, these are just things that it's just different. It hasn't been done. Uh, it won't be done for a long time. And just to see that some people get their eyes open to it and just being able to see it is just an awesome, awesome thing. Yeah, I love that. What What about uh, you guys in uh, Deuce Brand? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, we're, we're, we're unbelievably excited about that. And it's it's one of those things where – it's something that we can just kind of lay over top of our everyday life. And um, I mean, it's a long story and probably will take up like another podcast, like how I met, you know, the CEO Gary and how this uh, relationship started. But um, in a nutshell, I mean, I've been, I've been wearing Deuce brand wristbands from day one. And uh, you know, close to eight years ago, they started out with just kind of these Deuce brand uh, watches and um, then it, it went into the wristbands, and Kyrie started wearing the wristbands. Right. Uh, Kyrie would be wearing them like no one pays Kyrie to wear them. Like same with the other sixty players in the NBA. Like these guys wear the bands just because they they love like what Deuce Brand represents, what the bands represent, and uh, ob- obviously, um, obviously, guys like Kyrie and Fred Van Fleet and. Other guys like that, they got their own brand within it, so they have their own wristbands. But 
anyways, um, yeah, just probably about eight months ago, um, I got a partner out here that calls Sport Check. They're they're like you guys as um, Dick Sporting Goods, right? So uh, sport, there's 250 locations across the country. Um, the the vice president of um, purchasing is a good friend of mine. I trained his daughter. Um, I introduced Deuce Brand to them, and that was our, our our way and ability to get it into the country. Because when someone orders Deuce Brand um, apparel or bands or anything like that from Canada, you know it's two three weeks shipping. Uh, you got to pay customs, all that stuff. So I was looking at a way to get it in the country, and you know the first PO was like four hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, apparel. We got it into uh, about 55 of the 250 stores. We got another big order coming up. With There's a whole bunch of new apparel drop-in uh, spring-summer line uh, that's going to be coming. We got slides coming, and we're doing Deuce Brand masks that are dropping this Tuesday. Hey, guys. Um, thank you for being on my show, man. I mean, you guys both killed it. You guys dropped crazy knowledge and Man, I'd love to have you guys back. It was just amazing. I'd love to work with you guys again someday. Uh, it'd be our pleasure. I mean, it, it's we're, we're family, right? Like it, it's it's basketball. It's um, you know we're we're we we lived a lot of our years in Southern California. My son hooped there for seven years of his life, and uh, we know a lot of the same people and and whatnot. We come back and forth from there, but. I think one of the unique things about basketball is like what I said earlier about Deuce Brand. It's culture. It's um, it's just like when a you know I'm driving on the highway here. Like when a motorcyclist drives by another one, they kind of give a head nod or a wave. I think Hoopers are the same way. Like we recognize each other, and um, and it's it's that lifestyle, it's that culture, and to take it a step forward, the fact that you're a father to a to a young Hooper. Um, you know, we're, and we've, we've walked that walk, and uh, there's nothing better in life than to share that experience together on and off the court. Uh, we're here for you and your son and uh, all your listeners. Oh, man, thank you so much.